I'm for Gene Shepard, author, raconteur, and commentator of the contemporary scene. Here's Gene. summer and that's that's why i uh, i just took this time this is a, a very special thing we do every year at this time it's a salute to the summer madness time and uh, of course midsummer like this one of the great things about this time of the year is that you got absolutely no listeners no no they're all out in the catskills or they're in uh, in uh, various camps or have you noticed the change in kids camps kids camps used to be fun places but now they're places of flagellation Oh, no, no, yes. I saw one that says, uh, uh, is your kid overweight? Uh, send him to the overweight little fat slob camp, and uh, we'll we'll straighten him up. <laughs> I can see this poor little kid. <laughs> no, they, they put him in a cage is what they do. And uh, every couple of hours they feed him, you know, he gets a tube of maybe Ovaltine, and that's about it, see. And uh, two weeks after of that, and he comes home, and uh, that's right, he'll lose a lot of weight. Of course, you also lose a kid too. Probably he may run away when he gets home. But then, then there's that. Then there's another camp. Uh, to get, this is all part of the New York City madness. New Yorks are obsessed by conscience, and uh, so they have a camp. It says uh, the uh, the little kiddies kibbutz work camp, where he has to. You know, he he, he spends his he toils, and they say uh, a little honest toil will do your kid good. And so for two weeks he toils in the fields. <laughs> and what's worse, you pay them for that. Now, uh, you know, in, in any civilized place, this kid could get at least 25 cents an hour weeding the radishes. Uh, but uh, that wouldn't be, somehow that wouldn't be doing him good. That would be doing him harm. 
if you pay for it, it's doing him good. Right. And, of course, the little kid is led out there in a chain with all the kids with the chains on the on the ankles. They're led out into the fields, and, and <laughs> I just keep thinking of it. <laughs> oh, yes, and by the way, there are camps now devoted to specific sports. Does, do your, does your kid have a weak backhand? Does your kid have trouble with lob shots? Yes, the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, you know the uh, yes, the Don Budge uh, put him through the mill camp. Uh, it's going to teach that kid to have a server. By God, you get your money's back. Well, now, now I can't. You know that's that to me. That's not sport. No, no, that's not sport. That's that's approaching sport with the same zest that one approaches uh, Latin conjugation. Now. I'm telling you this, as a backyard basketball player, the last thing I would want to do is go to a camp where all you did was play basketball all day. You can do better than that in the playground. And it's a hell of a lot cheaper. And uh, what's more, a guy wouldn't make you do PT in the morning. Uh, that's another... <laughs> oh, PT. Uh, no, no. They're, they're, I, I think running through a large part of our population, too, is a, is a sense possibly of uh, fugitive worthlessness which drives them to do PT see that that means uh, absolution uh, through physical training that there that yes it's replaced the Bible with many people you know that because you, you understand that absolution always is painful you know what the word absolution is of course you do all right. That, 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 that. I was going to bring that up next semester, but as long as we've gotten into it, we'll do it this semester. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> there goes one running out now. You're not going to get away. Absolution will come or it won't come, honey. Running out will do you no good. But uh, all right, when that great lightning bolt of God hits you as you're running up to the net after a smash lob shot, or can you smash a lob shot? Well, to some people, a lob is a smash. So, uh, you know, that's all six of one and a half a dozen the other. I, I would like to also go ahead and say that uh, there are other signs that, uh, that the midsummer solstice has set in and that the madness is getting very big. For example, here, it's, it's not only here in New York. I mean, all around the country. Here's, here's a little note from Chicago. Do you know anything about Chicago? Well, you'd think Chicago is one of those clean, limbid Western places, right? Listen, if this happened in the, in the Bronx, there'd be riots in the streets. I quote, when the bell tolls 12 midnight, the hearse pulls up to the vacant lot, and the man, now remember, this is at midnight, when the bell tolls 12 midnight, the hearse pulls up to the vacant lot, and the man with the black cape thump, thump, thumps the white coffin from the door. The silver helmet on his head, he climbs into the coffin in the vacant lot and sleeps beneath the pearly moon. Police have known him only as Son of Satan, while other neighbors have other names for him. <laughs> they often do that in the Midwest, and I can't describe many of them on the air. Son of Satan has been on and around the neighborhood of 67th and Aberdeen for years, spending nights in his coffin or inside his hearse, particularly in the summer months. Englewood Police Sergeant John Makar said the man, who was about 35, doesn't create too many problems. He says, the neighborhood people are kind of used to him. It's the people driving by who see the casket out in the lot with a guy with a silver helmet sleeping in it who get uh, all excited and call the cops. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, let's face it, if you're driving by and see a, 
a, a coffin out there in the field. The guy's sleeping there. He's got a silver helmet. You tend to want to call somebody about it, don't you? Well, I'm just telling you, it's, it's summertime. He says, you know, he parks that uh, funeral car around on the street, and when your friends pass by, they say to you, who died? said one woman who asked not to be identified for fear of demonic reprisal. And the next thing you know, you get a call from a disturbed friend. The guy's some kind of a freak. Well, he actually isn't a freak. He's a Midwesterner. He's picked his thing, and he does it. <laughs> Son of Satan. Well, now, wait. Now, this is a... Now, now I want to go further than that. This is, this is, this is the summer uh, solstice and summertime... Uh, you know, this is all the time of the year when people do advertise a thing called full moon group meditation. Now, uh, of course, I must say that uh, meditation of one kind or another used to be known better as daydreaming. Uh, it, it was. Uh, in fact, my mother used to say, well, you stop your daydreaming. Now people pay $7 an hour to learn to do it. And uh, so, of course, that that's all part of the lesson syndrome of our time. You have to learn to walk, you know. <laughs> Wait, till <I laughs> Wait till they start uh, saying, does your 18-month-old child refuse to walk yet? Bring him to the learn-to-walk little toddler camp, and in three weeks, we'll get that little son of a gun walking around, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, this uh, this has got to come. People, people want to pay for things in our time. Oh, uh, one other thing I'd like to uh, bring to your attention, that there's been a Another development in this mad season of the summertime. There was a suggestion in a Midwestern newspaper recently that we reorganize our entire system of stamps. Yes, stamps, uh, postage stamps. They say that the, that the, and I have to agree with them, it says that the idea of uh, the postage stamps and what's on them is boring. Yes, I mean, it, let's face it, I who can get excited over... Uh, over a stamp, uh, let's say a seventh-cent stamp that says, uh, in gray picture of Samuel L. Curlwood, eminent 18th-century patriot. Well, you know, you don't get excited. And the, these, uh, these camps, uh, these new stamps, you know, that show, uh, oh, for example, a salute to a fireman. You've seen them. A salute to uh, stamp collectors. They had one like that, you know. How about that kind of chauvinism, right? I mean, you have a salute to stamp collectors on the stamp itself. That's like, you know, turning out a special quarter that says on it, salute the coin collectors. This coin is for coin collectors. But <laughs> that seems like cheating, you know. Hey, one other thing I want to say about that stamp business, you know, that's not a bad idea, though, come to think of it. Uh, the, the editorial went on to say that uh, Canada has had the good sense to uh, strike one off for Robert W. Service. Yes, Robert Service is on a Canadian, not an American, a Canadian stamp. And he wasn't Canadian, you know. Uh, they, yes, they, and by the way, he wasn't American either. <laughs> that'll, that'll scare the hell out of you. He was Scotch. <laughs> he was from Scotland. You're talking to the, to the Robert W. Service expert here in your place. No, Service was not American. He came to Scot from Scotland at a very early age. And, uh, by the way, did not die in America, but uh, lived out his days on the French Riviera. He just passed through America briefly in his lifetime. But, uh, yes, Robert W. said, Why did, where did we get the idea he was American? He wasn't. Uh, but, uh, nevertheless, they turned out, uh, you know, a, a stamp on service. Now, that's, that's a step in the right direction. And the uh, editorial goes on to say 
Uh, why not turn out uh, stamps, for example, uh, uh, how about a Fred Allen stamp? Why not? He was a great American character. Of course. Why, why not a uh, W.C. Field stamp? You know, with that hat on? <laughs> why not? I think eventually, because uh, these are great uh, these are great creations of American culture, a Charlie Chaplin stamp would be terrific. You know, the little outline of Charlie Chaplin? That would be a great stamp. How about a Laurel and Hardy stamp? Yes, I'd collect those stamps. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm suggesting these. Uh, how about the... Uh, mm, how about a... Uh, let's see now. Uh, how about a James Thurber stamp? Thurber, Thurber. You mean you don't know who Thurber is? Well, I'm not going to tell you. If you're that dumb, I'm not going to... How about a Thurber stamp? How about... Uh, how about, now, they've had plenty of Mark Twain stamps. But see, we always stop at that point. I mean, uh, how about a Robert Benchley stamp? That'd be a pretty funny guy. I mean, not the funniest, but the pretty funny. Uh, no, that has to come. No, you cannot have a stamp until you're dead. That's a rule. No, that's a law. No, no, you cannot turn out, uh, uh, let's say, for example, uh, a Robert Redford stamp. No, that's that's illegal. Although I think they should have a Clark Gable stamp. You know, in the in the costume of Red Butler, Red Butler. Yeah, that would that'd be a great thing. How about a uh, Gene Harlow stamp? You know, uh, or a uh, Minnie Mouse stamp. I mean, these are all great American. Sure, a Minnie Mouse stamp that would be a great stamp. How about uh, a a Smiling Jack stamp for airmail? Yeah, you know, you have this. Sure, Smiling Jack, why not? I can think of a lot of great characters that should be on stamps instead of, you know, the people that are on the stamps, which are, you know, all right. You know, there's they always have a stamp of a great suffragette of uh, 1871. But, you know, okay, so all right, uh, they've had their day, but why not, uh, why not uh, you know, come a, little, come a little further? Like, say, how about a Cecil B. DeMille stamp? You know, he's looking dynamic. Yeah, behind him you see, well, behind him you see these Roman columns, you know, and burning, burning uh, cities. And you see Charlton Heston, he's driving this uh, chariot. <laughs> oh, I have, uh, you know, other suggestions. Why not take fictional characters? Now, there have been a few of those. For example, uh, there was recently a Huck Finn stamp and a Tom Sawyer stamp. But uh, why not Captain Ahab? Great American character. Can't you just see Ahab uh, with, with the great white whale charging through the seas there? <laughs> wow. And underneath it is the slogan would say, Call Me Ishmael. Man, that, that, that's a dynamite stamp. And it would be in black with great white slashes across it. How about, uh, how about a Willie Loman stamp? That would be too scary to most people. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and underneath it says, They love me in Boston. You know, yeah, it's Willie Loman. You know, you just see an outline. He's got these two suitcases. This tired salesman. How about uh, how about Elmer Gantry? Now there was a good one. You know, old Elmer. And uh, let's see who else we could have for a great character. Who? Esther W. Pretty. I don't know that book. That's uh, that's probably Evan Evans. He writes millions. Who? Oh well, that's a little. Esoteric, the Scarlet Letter. I mean, no, no. I'm talking about st 
stuff that uh, you, see that's what they would think of they would go to classical literature no I'm serious they would go to classical literature whereas actually I think some of the characters that came out of what could be called pop literature live well I'm sorry I can't argue with you we're doing a radio show but uh, so many other characters live longer for example what's wrong with a Joe Palooka stamp that's a great American. I guess we don't consider comic strip characters as having stature in the sense that, yeah, you're bothering me now. This, I can't understand what you mean. That, that uh, we don't think of them as having stature, perhaps. For example, uh, what's wrong with a uh, Maggie and Jig stamp? Well, any of these were great American characters out of the past they they formed a lot of the culture of the time you know let's let's face it uh, how about uh, you know uh, bringing I suppose most people would say well how about a peanut stamp say well that would be too obvious but and and it's too soon for that but uh, many of the characters that I'm talking about are characters that have kind of insinuated themselves into the mm, the racial consciousness of America how about how about this one how about how about uh, uh, a Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz stamp. Can't you just see Dorothy with a with a tornado and the, the house in the air, you know, with the dog and all that stuff, and the Wicked Witch of the West? I mean, that'd be a great stamp. How about uh, how about a Black Beauty stamp? Yes, there was a great America. How about a Lassie stamp? Who was the writer who wrote this? Lassie, of course. This is a guy that wrote a great classic. You know what the name of the book was called? The actual first dynamic book, Lassie Come Home. Who wrote it? I would like to suggest another one. How about how about a, a White Fang stamp? White Fang is a great character out of Jack London. Jack London. And, and there's a good guy to have on a stamp, by the way. Jack London. <laughs> tremendous American character, and, uh, and who else could you think of it? Uh, you know, that would be great stamps. How about uh, how about say for example a uh, Eddie Stanky stamp? No, he's still around. How about uh, no? How about, these guys are great characters. You know, how about a Ty Cobb stamp? I mean, there's a guy that is a legend, <laughs> a truly legend. In fact, uh, people, uh, you know, people have made their whole reputation. Uh, there's a guy in Dedham, Massachusetts, who's famous for miles around as the man who once saw Ty Cobb play. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's right. Ty Cobb is a legend. How about uh, other legends of the same kind? Uh, well, Orphan Annie, yeah, but the Orphan Annie is not... I don't know why. Maybe Daddy Warbucks would be a better stamp. <laughs> I mean, and, uh, you know, you could throw the asp in there for good measure. But... Uh, uh, great, uh, these are uh, you know great comic strip characters. I'm talking about ones that have been uh, survived the test of infinite time, like Smitty. You remember Smitty? How about Moon Mullins? You know, there you got a Moon Mullins stamp. <laughs> Lord Plushbottom would be looking out at you. You know, uh, of course, since he's such an elegant person, it would be about a dollar and a half stamp. You know, special delivery and all that. And then uh, how about? Uh, who else do you see? How about uh, say? How about Ming the Merciless? Well, what strip was Ming in? Where did he live? Where? Yeah, all right. 
What was the name of Flash Gordon's girlfriend? She would make a nice stamp in this day of women's lib. She was the original women's lib. She was tough, boy. Huh? Dale Arden. Okay, what was Buck Rogers' girlfriend? That's even more difficult. Wilma what? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that doesn't count. you got to give the whole name. That's like saying, oh, the guy's name was Buck. I said, Buck who? You said, oh, well, I don't know that. Uh, it's uh, Her name was, she had a real name. Wilma Deering. Wilma Deering. And uh, you could also have this, the professor that was always with him. He was always saying, bless my buttons. He was the guy that invented all that stuff that Flash Gordon used. What was his name? No, 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 that was a bad guy. No, bad guys in those strips had foreign names, like Zarkov and so on. Good guys didn't. Good guys were friendly little professors, you know, said things like, bless my buttons, and they invented the spaceship that enabled Buck to defeat Zarkov. Uh, what was his name? Eh, it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, you know, but the, these, the, I, I'm just thinking, you know, since this is the nutty season, why not go all the way? Uh, why not, uh, you know, why do we have to have stamps that are square or triangular? Around, you know, those are the, the conventional stamps. Why not have a stamp that's, let's say, a uh, a cutout of, uh, let's say, a profile of, uh, oh, for argument's sake, uh, Snoopy? Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, or say, uh, if you, uh, how about uh, a profile of? Uh, um, I thought of a good one here. Who was the manager of Joe Palooka? <laughs> well, he was a big character in the strip. Yes, of course, he was always in that. Uh, all right, how about a cutout of Barney Google? Okay, you remember Barney Google? You ever hear? No, all right, you know, one of the great spin-offs, you know, spin-offs came out of comic strips. See, it's just, uh, just like, uh, yes, it's like, uh, you know, we all know of spin-offs in the TV world. Everybody knows uh, what the... Uh, you know what the you know where Rhoda was originally a spin-off from, right? It was the Huntley Brinkley show, and uh, Rhoda used to do. Remember those reports? So it was a spin-off, right? So uh, uh, how many of you know though about spin-offs of comic strips? Now here's an example of a spin-off of a comic strip. Uh, what uh, what comic strip was a spin-off of Barney Google? That is correct, Snuffy Smith. What comic strip was a spin-off of... Uh... <laughs> All right, here's, here's a very esoteric question. Terry and the Pirates was a spin-off from what strip? No, 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 had nothing to do with Steve Canyon, except they were created by the same guy, but that's not a spin-off. You didn't know that one. Well, that was a spin-off, actually. Terry and the Pirates, there was an, a, another strip of which Terry... All right, here's another one. There was a, a, a spin-off came out of... Uh, came out of Smiling Jack. What was the spin-off? In other words, a character in the strip gets to be very popular and then goes out and has his own strip. <laughs> and eventually people forget that he was ever in the first one. All right, now, uh, well, you know, you, you, you talk about all these various strips. You take, for example, Popeye. How about that for a nice stamp? You should have Popeye on this. Popeye was one of the great American characters. And, and uh, you could uh, say, say Popeye would be on a 13-cent stamp, right? 
and his girlfriend would be on, let's say, uh, uh, the thirteen cent uh, special delivery stand. What was what was his girlfriend's name? All right, olive oil. But what was the great spinoff out of that strip? There was a great spinoff out of that strip, which is still running in many papers. What? Wimpy. Yes, Wimpy has his own strip. It's not in New York, so you probably wouldn't know about it. But Wimpy has his own strip, and Wimpy was a spinoff out of Popeye. Didn't you know that? Most people don't, but he was. He was a, he was a Popeye character. And uh, what was his hang-up? That's correct. What was Popeye's hang-up? Correct. And uh, there was another character in that that uh, that little char- in that strip that gave his name to a form of automobile. The name is still with us to this day. A character came out of uh, Popeye. Sure. See, I'm telling you, these these comic strips really did affect our language. The Jeep. Yep. There was a character called the Jeep, <laughs> and it was a little animal, kind of a strange little animal, and this little animal lived on a very esoteric food, and the part of the strip, one whole long sequence, was getting food for him. What did he eat? Orchids. That's right. There's a lot you don't know, baby. That's why you listen to me. There's a, there's a thing called, he's the Jeep. The Jeep. Okay, and another word came out. There was another character, another character. Listen, this is fascinating. There was another character that came out of the Popeye strip that also entered the language and is now used almost, well, it has no connection with funny or comics or anything. And it has to do with labor and strikes. Nope. No, scabs came out of hitting your knee against the concrete sidewalk. What is that thing? All right, I'll tell you. What is a person called who beats up other guys who are trying to go... The goon. That is correct. That is a character right out of Popeye. And in fact, this... Yes, it had a strange big thing with fur. A little, yeah, and what was its name? It was a gentle creature, though, though, in the script. Even though it looked evil, what was its name? Alice the Goon. That is correct. <laughs> All right, now, these would make great stamps. A salute to the goon. I mean, that's used in labor terms uh, constantly. Now, of course, in the time of full madness, that would that will happen. What are some of the other characters you can think of offhand that would make stamps? I mean, really, stamps that everyone would recognize instantly. They would recognize. Everyone would recognize Popeye. Uh... How about the little king? Remember Otto Soglo's little king? <laughs> he did some great social commentary in that that uh, that script. I remember the little king one time. Uh, well, you know, I won't get into that. But uh, how about uh, Snuffy Smith? You mean you never heard of Snuffy Smith? Well, what was he? A, uh, uh, where did he come out of? That was a spinoff. Snuffy Smith was a spin-off. What cartoon strip did he originate in? No, no, no. Thimble Theater is Popeye. 
What comic strip did he come out of? No, I'll, you'll never get it. It was Barney Google. <laughs> you'll never get it. And by the way, one more one more esoteric question, and and don't don't immediately begin writing me and say, oh, you must remember the yellow kid and all that. I don't remember these things. However, I will tell you this. At one period in my life, I became a real student of the art of the comic strip, and I had a lot of friends who were comic strip artists. Among them, one of my oldest friends is Milton Kniff, who, by the way, did and does uh, Steve Canyon. He originated what strip? Milton Kniff made his... You know that he did a famous cartoon that is a real collector's item. And it was done only for the armed forces of World War II. A highly suggestive cartoon. Oh, very. <laughs> well, it was done for the troops. <laughs> and it was not done for civilians. It was done for the troops. What was the name of that character? Oh, well, you know, you're talking to a student of the field here. Oh, absolutely. And... Uh, by the way, one other question, you know, speaking of students, there are all kinds of little sub-cultures uh, within the comic strip. What was the name of Barney Google's horse? He had a horse that was a racehorse, by the way. <laughs> had a blanket on it. What was its name? Well, that's right. His name was Sparkplug. <laughs> okay, what comic strip... What character in the comic strip was a fireman? That's correct, Smokey Stover. And that would be a great stamp. Just have a stamp that says Notary Sojak on it. Everyone would know right away. <laughs> Notary Sojak. And uh, that what strip did that appear in? All right, all right, all right. That was Smokey Stover. What other? What? What? What uh, comic strip did this phrase appear in? Nob Schmaz Kapop. Nob Schmaz Kapop. And in the same uh, same strip, there was a character that wore a coal scuttle on his head. And the reason he did, he says, you never know when you might get hit by a meteor. Which is quite true. <laughs> You've been listening to Gene Shepard, author... Raconteur and commentator on the contemporary scene.